Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. It's the subject that no one likes to talk about, but which impacts everyone. Death. If you're a believer living in fear of death, take heart. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals why Christians can face death without fear, confident of what lies beyond. Continuing his series on the rapture, the great disappearance, here's David to introduce today's compelling message, If We Die. We'll get to our study in just a moment. I do want to keep telling you about this book because everything we're talking about every day is in this book. And this book is yours for the asking when you send a gift of any amount to Turning Point during this month. The rapture could occur at any moment, even today. If it did, would you be ready? In The Great Disappearance, 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready by Dr. David Jeremiah. He explains exactly what will happen before, at the moment of, and after the rapture. In 31 short, easy-to-read chapters, Dr. Jeremiah answers questions like, Will children be raptured? What will happen to our bodies at the moment of resurrection? And will those left behind still have an opportunity to receive Christ as their Savior? Drawing from decades of biblical study, Dr. Jeremiah answers all these questions and many more, not with sensationalism, but with solid biblical truth. This is Motivational Prophecy, inspiring you to live boldly and expectantly in today's world. Request The Great Disappearance by Dr. Jeremiah, plus the Perhaps Today bookmark. When you give a gift of any amount in support of the ministry of Turning Point, be rapture ready. Request The Great Disappearance book from Turning Point today. Please ask for your copy of this book when you send your gift. And thank you for helping us continue uh, to teach the Word of God in this very needy world. Well, let's begin our discussion. You know, we've been having such a great time talking about our fears. It's interesting to me that as we've gone through this, I can identify in my own life some places of fear that are part of each one of these things we've talked about. All of us identify with this. One of the reasons why we come and we want to talk about this, want to learn about it, is because it's so much a part of our life. You can't be alive and not experience these things. We've talked about a number of different kinds of fears. You might be interested to know that on all of the major lists of what people are afraid of, and I think this is probably not thought through very carefully by most people, the number one thing on almost every list is public speaking. Now, that would say that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of disease. I don't know that I believe that, but at least in the moment when they fill out their little questionnaire, they believe it, probably because they've been asked to do it and it strikes terror into their heart. But second or third on almost every list that I've seen during this time of research is the fear of dying or the fear of death. And that's because nobody knows what to think about it. If they don't know the Word of God, if they don't know what the Bible says, death is this big mystery to them. I remember reading that Woody Allen once said, it's not that I'm afraid of dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) 
he had apparently given some thought to this because he went on to contribute this encouraging line. He said, I do not want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve immortality through not dying. I don't want to live on in the hearts of my countrymen. I would rather live on in my apartment. (laughs) And he probably expresses the sentiments of a lot of folks. It's interesting to me how we treat the subject of death differently than we treat any other subject. It is the ultimate obscene word for many people. Rather than simply saying, he died, think of the endless supply of euphemisms we plug in. We say, he passed on. He went to a better place. He was called home. He went to sleep. He departed this life. Or if Shakespeare is your thing, he shuffled off this mortal coil. (laughs) Did you know there's an internet page you can look up that has over 200 ways of saying death without saying the word. The poet John Betjeman wanted to know why do people waste their breath inventing dainty names for death? (laughs) And we do it, don't we? We all do it. Joseph Bailey tells us how foolish it is. For you see, death plays no favorites and cuts no deals. Dairy farmer and sales executive live in death's shadow with noble prize winner and prostitute, mother, infant, teen, old man. The hearse stands waiting for the surgeon who transplants a heart as well as the hopeful recipient. For the funeral director as well as the corpse he manipulates, death spares nobody. What if I promised you that we could change forever the way that you look at death. Perhaps move it out of the fear category altogether. What if we would take on this subject for a few moments from the Bible and pull death out of the terrifying darkness once and for all? If you'll stay focused, I think I can do that because the Bible does that. Before we go any further, we need to discuss what we mean when we talk about death. In the Bible, there are three different descriptions of death. Let me give you the key word for all three of them. It's the word separation. Say that with me, separation. In every three instances where death is mentioned in the Bible, it always involves separation. Let's begin, first of all, with physical death. What is physical death? Physical death is the separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. What happens when a person dies? Their body stays here, but their body without a soul and spirit is not functioning any longer, so the body is buried, but the soul and spirit go to be either with God or apart from God. And so physical death is first and foremost the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. It is a time of separation. If you study the Bible, you will see this come up several places. For instance, James 2.26 says, the body without the spirit is dead. When Rachel, the wife of the Old Testament patriarch Jacob, died while giving birth to their son, the scripture says, and so it was as her soul was departing that she called his name Benomi. 
When Rachel died, what happened? Her soul departed. Solomon describes the separation this way. He says, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. When you die physically, it is a time of separation. The separation of your soul and your spirit from your body. People are often confused about what happens at death because they hear people say, well, when you die, you go to be with Jesus. But then they go to a funeral and they watch the casket come and then they take it to the cemetery and they bury it. And they say, well, he didn't go to Jesus. He went into the cemetery. Well, his body went into the cemetery, but his soul and his spirit, which is who he really is, goes to heaven. Physical death is the separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. And let me tell you something, friends. I've been studying this very carefully. There are no exceptions. The statistics regarding physical death are 100%. Except perhaps for Christians who will be alive at the rapture. (laughs) But that hasn't happened yet, so I can say with authority that death is 100%. Someone has wryly made this observation that death is the number one killer in America. <laughs> Physical death. So I know this is kind of a serious subject, but we don't have to be so serious about it. I'll tell you this little story to lighten it up a little bit. I heard about a doctor who went to see a young man. And he says, I examined your reports and I have bad news and worse news. He says, well, what do you mean? He says, well, I have bad news and I have worse news. What news would you like to have first? And he said, give me the bad news. He said, well, he said, we've looked at your tests and you have 48 hours to live. He says, well, what could be worse than that? What's the worst news? He said, we've been looking for you since yesterday. So, I mean. (laughs) All right, I'm glad to hear you laugh. (laughs) So physical death is the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. Now, the other kind of death the Bible speaks about is spiritual death. This may surprise you. because it almost sounds like a disconnect, but let me tell you something that's true of every one of us. We were all born dead. Did you know that? We were all born spiritually dead because spiritual death is the separation of the soul from God. And when you are born, you do not have a relationship with God except for the protective custody of those who are under the age of accountability. But spiritual death is simply your soul being separated from God. You don't have any relationship with him. You don't have fellowship with him. We are separated from him because of sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin are death. When sin entered the world through Adam... It spread to everyone so that every unregenerate man and woman is dead spiritually, separated from God. So physical death is the separation of your soul from your body. Spiritual death is the separation of your soul from God. And then there's a third kind of death that's mentioned in the Bible. And let me tell you something. This is the one you don't want to mess with. You don't want to experience this. Of all the other things I've said so far, please make sure you don't get on this list. This is called the second death. Even though it's the third on our list, it's called the second death. And we read about it in the book of Revelation. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each according to his works. 
Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The last form of death, second death, is the final banishment from God and the final misery of the wicked in hell following the great white throne judgment. In other words, physical death is the separation of your soul from your body. Spiritual death is the separation of your soul from God. The second death is the separation of your soul from God forever and ever and ever with no hope of it ever being changed. I have often tried to bring understanding to this subject by using a little mathematic formula. So if you'll bear with me, I'd like to teach you a little math. If you have been born only once, you will have to die twice. But if you have been born twice, you will only have to die once. And you may even escape that if the Lord Jesus comes back before your physical death. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, what do you mean by those numbers? What I mean is this. All of us have been born once or we wouldn't be here. But if we are not born again through the Spirit and the Word of God, we will die twice. We will die physically when our soul is separated from our body, and then we will die spiritually when our soul is separated from God. But if we are born the second time through trusting in Jesus Christ, we may have to die once physically, but we will never, ever die spiritually. In other words, if you are born again, you will never die spiritually. You will never, ever be separated from God. John eleven twenty five 25 puts it this way. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die physically, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never, never die. So if you want to live forever in the presence of God, you have to have two birthdays. You have to have your physical birthday and you have to have a spiritual birthday. If you are only born once, you will have to die twice. But if you are born twice, you will only ever have to think about dying once. That's the fact of death and the faces of death. Let me talk most of all today about the fear of death. I want to share with you some reasons why if you're a Christian, you should never really have to be tormented by the fear of death. There are only two ways you can ever face the future, no matter what it is. You can face the future by faith or you can face the future in fear. And if you know the Word of God, you will not have to be afraid. And there are several reasons why you won't have to be afraid of death that are presented clearly in the Word of God. And let me give them to you kind of one at a time and let's unpack them together. Number one, you don't have to be afraid of death because the prince of death has been defeated. Listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. Listen carefully to every word. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that is us, Jesus himself likewise shared in the same. In other words, he became flesh and blood. 
that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The author of the book of Hebrews declares that Jesus has conquered death by death and has freed us from the fear of death. He says in the book of Hebrews that there are some people who live their whole lives in bondage because of their fear of death. Have you ever known anybody like that? People who are just paranoid and freak out over the thought of dying. I had a friend back in Fort Wayne when I was a pastor back there who was a very successful man. He ran his business out of the basement of his home. He manipulated stocks and bonds and he was very good at it. But this man was living in the bondage of death. I went to visit him one time and he showed me around and I noticed every room that I walked into there was an oxygen tank in every room. There was an oxygen tank in the bathroom. And then he took me to see his boat. There were oxygen tanks all over his yacht. And he had one in his car, one in the trunk of his car, one in the back seat of his car. And so I said, what's that for? He says, well, you know, I just have this thing about death and I think maybe if I have a heart attack or something and I have an oxygen tank, I'll escape it. And I wanted to tell him how foolish that was. But he's an illustration of a lot of folks. Now listen, the Bible says there's something that Jesus did when he died on the cross that delivers you from that. The Bible says that in his death and resurrection, the Son of God played the devil's own trump card. Just as David took the sword of Goliath and cut off his head with it, Jesus took the weapon of Satan and defeated him with that very weapon. The cross must have seemed like the ultimate victory for Satan, but it was precisely the opposite. When Christ, by his own death, paid the penalty for our sin, he took the sting out of the devil's condemnation. And when Jesus stepped out from the open tomb on Resurrection Sunday, Satan's defeat was absolutely certain. His weapon of death had been destroyed. He is still alive and active, but his failure is a foregone conclusion. He has to settle for winning the little battles because the war he started has already been lost to him forever. When Jesus came out of the grave victorious over death, he took death out of Satan's weaponry, and he can't hurt us with it anymore. I remember a story about a couple named Stephen and Ann Campbell who live in Hampton, Tennessee. They were sitting at their breakfast room one morning and reading and relaxing, and they had a little dog named Gigi. I never heard of a dog like this. It was a Maltapoo, a Maltese and a Poodle. And this little dog was asleep on the bench in the bay window, and suddenly a jolt rocked the room and toppled Gigi from the bench. And nothing was hurt but the little dog's pride. And the couple wondered what had caused all the commotion. They couldn't find any clue until they spotted a large hawk outside, lying beneath the bay window. The bird had swooped down with its talons out for Gigi, with no regard for the protective pane of glass. And a few minutes later, the hawk shook off its stupor and vanished into the sky, minus its canine lunch. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened at the cross. The devil wants to get his talons into us. The power of the resurrection provides a pain of protection that cannot be broken. Satan may knock himself out trying, but he can't hurt us.
Because Christ died, we have lives that are forgiven, and because he came out of the grave, we have lives that are forever. The prince of death has been defeated. Number two, the power of death has been destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, we are told that death has no part of any future that belongs to any believer. In fact, the Bible says when we get to heaven, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, not even physical death. The prince of death has been defeated. The power of death has been destroyed. Here's the third one. The process of death has been described. Everywhere you go today, people want to know what's going to happen after a person dies. And all these wonderful books have been written by people who've come back from the grave. I don't know what to think about most of those. I'm sure you don't either. Some of them, I believe, some of them, I think, have been for good book sales. But I don't have to read some modern book to know what happens when you die because the Bible tells me. And I want to tell you a little story here that will help you understand what I mean. Jesus told this story in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. And it offers a penetrating view of what happens after death. In fact, it may tell us more about life after death than any passage in the scripture. Here's the story. It's a parable Jesus told concerning two men, one rich and one poor. Now the poor man's name we know, it was Lazarus. And we don't know the rich man's name, but we do know something about his lifestyle because Jesus tells us that this rich man wears the finest clothing, he eats the finest food, he has had the best, and he has let everyone know about it, even the beggars who lie at his gates trying to get some of the crumbs that he might drop to them. The poor man, Lazarus, who hopes to be thrown a few crumbs from the bountiful table, is not only hungry, but the scripture tells us, and this is pretty gross, that he's very ill, covered with sores, and the town dogs lick the sores on his body. He is one miserable creature living a miserable existence. Now watch. Lazarus does possess one thing that no one can take away from him and that is his love for God. The rich man possesses one thing he can't keep, his life. Now, in the story, Jesus tells both men die, and on the other side of the gate that separates this life from eternity, the beggar Lazarus is carried by heavenly angels to the bosom of Abraham. Now he is kissed by the angels instead of licked by the dogs. The Bible just says that the rich man died. Did you know that when a believer dies, the angels come and carry that believer to God? I remember as a young pastor, I used to hear people say that to me. I would go and visit when someone had died and they'd say, well, yeah, the angels came and took her. And I always thought in the back of my mind, yeah, right. Hope that makes you feel better, you know. <laughs> and then one day I was reading and I realized they are right. That is exactly what happens. 
When any of us who are believers pass from this life to the next, Almighty God dispatches angels to convey us into his presence. We won't simply be beamed up to heaven. We will be carried there by the angels. We'll have more about this tomorrow uh, with part two. Uh, I want to mention to you that we're going to the Caribbean uh, at the end of this year. And this year, we'll be leaving on the 27th from Fort Lauderdale and visiting all kinds of great places. It's an 11-day cruise and features Michael Sanchez, Uriel Vega, and the Martins, who will be with us uh, for music. And the entire program is presented by Turning Point, and it will be a wonderful occasion for you to recover from the stress of the season and be blessed in your heart by music and the worship and by teaching from the Word of God and the unique fellowship that comes uh, when we get together with each other. For more information about the Caribbean cruise, let me encourage you to go to our website, which is davidjeremiah.org slash events. It's a wonderful way to end the old year and begin the new with good friends, with the Word of God, with beautiful scenery, an incredible ship, and with a wonderful time together. We hope you'll come and be with us. Find out about it at davidjeremiah.org slash events. We hope you'll join us. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Great Disappearance, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new hardcover book, The Great Disappearance. 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready, Informative and Inspiring. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. An internet news site recently offered up five things readers needed to know on that particular Monday morning. The stories were racial unrest in a Midwest town, dangerously heavy snow in the northern states, a flu outbreak in Europe, nations debating nuclear weapons, and a celebrity accused of inappropriate behavior. 
I would add a headline that is true every day of the week, not just on Monday. God is sovereign over the affairs of this world. Without God and His Word as a backdrop, it's impossible to read the headlines without knowing how to respond. Before you read the headlines every day, prepare by reading your Bible. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life and discover God's sovereignty on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.